It is a joy to be with you today. It's exciting for me to get to, to preach this morning. I, uh, we were meeting together talking about uh, the opportunity and uh, originally Aaron wasn't planning on being here so he wasn't going to be able to preach and Zach preached last time which meant it was automatically going to be me. But uh, I am thrilled to get to have the opportunity to, to open the word with you. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it to Acts chapter 10. Um, if you have your Bible app with you, you can open that to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at verses 34 to 43. It's, uh, it's a special opportunity to be able to gather together in a park like this, uh, out in the, the open air. Uh, this, is, this is the way that uh, worship began. It was under these trees like this in a garden. Adam and Eve were together walking with God face to face with him. And this is a, a microcosm of that kind of an opportunity. Let's read Acts 10, 34 to 43. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning with Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that that you worked in Peter and proclaimed this good word to those who are listening and that you preserved it for us. Thank you for the gift of your word that we can look into it and see you. And we can look into it and see ourselves even better. And Lord, I pray now as we meditate on what you have done and have said in your word, that we would be encouraged, that our hearts would be drawn closer to you, that our lives would be pointed to you through it. So bless this time together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is a, a special day, and it's special for a few reasons. First of all, it's special because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is good news. God made this day special. He made it, and he made it for us. And everybody else on the planet right now. And that doesn't make it less special. It makes it more special. This is an opportunity. It's a joy for us to be able to gather together. And, and that's another piece that, that makes this day special. It's a Sunday. A day that, that, that we set aside to worship the one in the world who is worthy of our worship. 
the one in the world who's worthy of our praise. And we got done singing together and praising God's name through song. And now we're going to be looking at his word and praising him through what he shows us about himself. So it's special because it's a day that the Lord has made. It's a day that uh, has been set aside for worship. It's special because there's three churches here gathered together in unity as brothers and sisters. You look around this place and you see a lot of people. And, and you see some people that you don't know. Some people maybe you recognize from being in town or shopping at Fairway or passing at the uh, gas station or just on the roads. Or maybe you were walking through ridiculous days and, and saw new faces. And, and then here all of a sudden you're seeing those new faces again. This kind of gathering, again, a microcosm of what it's going to be like for us in eternity. We're all going to be gathered together around the throne of God. And it's not going to be Grace and Riverwood and Denver. It's going to be the bride of Christ. Gathered together in unity. Joyfully, joyfully singing, proclaiming God's goodness to one another. So today's a special day because we're exercising now what we're going to be doing in eternity. And the last reason it's a special day is, of course, because of the baptisms that are going to be taking place. This is an exciting opportunity. And uh, at Grace, we've been working through a, a sermon series through the Gospel of Matthew, and we just finished watching Jesus be baptized by John and the example that he set forth there. There's a, a particular reality here that that we recognize, and that's that Jesus came to be baptized not because he had some, something to repent of, not because he had some latent hidden sin that he was dealing with, that he had to, to process through and repent of and, and, and be made right in God's eyes. No, he didn't need that. What he did need to do is set an example for us. And he showed us how we are supposed to approach him. So this is a sweet opportunity. And this passage that we're looking at today from Acts, this is coming off the heels of where uh, Peter has come to Cornelius. He's just had the vision of the sheet being dropped down and there's clean and there's unclean animals. And, and God says to him, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, oh no, Lord, not me. I wouldn't do such a thing. And God tells him, don't call things that I have called clean, unclean. And in this way, God is calling Peter to get outside his comfort zone and go to people that, that are outside of his, his realm, outside of, of what he would call a normal opportunity to proclaim the good news. He was going to the Jews, and now God was sending him to the Gentiles. This is, again, Christ at work in the nations. And it reminds me of, of what God says about himself through Moses from Deuteronomy 10. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in Egypt. God shows no partiality. He takes no bribe. He's not looking for something extra. 
He's calling all people to himself. He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God calls whom he wills and, and they come. And this baptism that, that takes place, there's a proclamation that's being made here. It's saying Jewishness is not enough anymore. Your membership card of your bloodline is not enough. You need not just to be Jewish, but you need to be bowed before God. You need to repent of your sins. You need to come as an outsider, be adopted into the family. And we get to see that. We get to see that reality take place. And it's no longer about Jewish blood because the blood of the perfect lamb has been sacrificed and slain on our behalf. And so it's by him, by Christ, by his sacrifice that we come to him. And that's where our text is going to take us. Verse 37 through 39 again. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. Beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. To him, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. So this combined audience, Peter is speaking. He's speaking to Jews. He's speaking to Gentiles. They're both here. They're both assembled. And what... He goes over, he just recounts what happened in Christ's life, starting with him in Galilee, which is where he settled, where he grew up before he entered into ministry. He left Galilee, he went to the Jordan, he was baptized by John. In baptism of repentance, fulfilling righteousness, living out that example for us. And we need to be repentant, we need to be adopted, we need to be following in his actions in his example, so that God is glorified, so that we are right with him. Then verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So not only does he want us to come to him, bowed before him, submissive, repentant of our sins, following in his example, but then we see Jesus coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit descending, God's opening the clouds, the sky, and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he's empowered with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he does the same thing for us. He calls us to do what he calls us to do and act on the power that he bestows on us through the Holy Spirit. That's part of our salvation. He's working that out in us and through us. And he calls us to go to the nations. And it isn't an amazing thing that if we look around this space here, we can see people who don't look like us. They look different from us. Why? Because they're from different places than we are. They have different backgrounds than we do. God has called us all together here for a reason. And I think about Wartburg College just down the road over here. We're called to go to the nations to proclaim his name. And we just commissioned uh, Derek and Aaron to go uh, overseas to be proclaiming this good news. And yet, here in Waverly, the nations are coming to us. The nations are coming here. So many international students showing up every year to come and learn, to be educated. An opportunity for us as well to proclaim his good news. 
So continuing in this passage, Peter recounting what Jesus did. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. There's no secrets. There's no hidden agenda. Peter says, you yourselves know what happened. You know what took place. The blind see, the deaf hear, the possessed are freed. Everything that's wrong is made right. That's who God is. That's who Christ is. It's what he came to do for us. He frees us from our bondage to sin. He takes all the things that are wrong and makes them right. He's the ultimate justice seeker, the perfect avenger. It's not Thor is the strongest avenger. Jesus Christ. Verse 39 to 41, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So the religious rulers, they have enough of him. They put a situation together where they can get him into a position where they can control him. He's saying things that they don't like to hear. He's, he's commenting in ways, uh, talking about them that they don't like. It makes them look bad. And they don't have hearts that are bent to him. They don't have hearts of submission and repentance. They're children of the devil, children of the serpent. Jesus talked about them called you brood of vipers. An innocent man put on death row. That death. That death which we deserve because we are unworthy. We are sinful people. We are not right in the eyes of God. They turned them, him over to the Romans who were expert torturers, expert executioners. They hung him on the tree. They held him there with nails and he died. Our death. Our punishment was put on him. And there he hung and died. And then Joseph of Arimathea donated his tomb to house him and they laid him to rest. But then something unexpected happened. Jesus went to the cross, died our death, and then something unexpected happened. Amen? Something unexpected took place. Nobody thought that this was going to happen. Nobody thought that there was going to be this hope that could come out of this awful situation. He was raised to life on the third day. He was seen by many people. And Peter highlights this fact. Seen by many people. Not everybody. But many people. And we ate with him. And we drank with him. Ghosts don't eat and drink. People eat and drink. This was not a ghost that came back. This was not a vision that they had. He was there. He was at the table with them. They watched him eat and drink, take on nourishment. He was not an illusion. It was very 
very real. Jesus' death is a picture of baptism. We talk about baptism being buried in the water, dead, and dead to sin, and being brought up out of the water alive in Christ. Those being baptized are taking on a new identity. They're no longer children of sin, no longer children of serpents, no longer part of the brood of vipers. In our sinfulness, that's who we are. In our sinfulness, we are enemies with God. But God made a way for us to be right with him through Christ. So they have this new identity adopted into the family of life in Christ, the family of God. So those being baptized, they're living this out. This, this is Christ. This story that I just very quickly walked through, that is the gospel. It is the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Gospel means good news, and Jesus is the good news. So when we go down to the water, and when these people are walking into the water and they're being baptized, they're living out, they're acting out good news. It is a testimony of death to sin and life in Christ. That's what we come together to celebrate. That's what Christ does for us. Dying to themselves, dying to sin, dying to a life of bondage. Bondage, slaves of sin. But because of Christ, no longer are you wearing shackles to sin. They're free. They're free to live as sons of the living God. Living in the freedom of Christ. Living this new life as children of God. Last part of the scripture, verses 42 and 43. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judged of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness. To everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Living out the command to be baptized. Not only are they acting out the gospel, they're being obedient to the command of God. They're proclaiming with their lives. They're proclaiming with their voices and their own testimonies that the gospel grace that Christ has worked in them is real. It's transformative. It's changed them from one thing to another. It's a complete metamorphosis. Their lives have been made right. The one who seeks justice for us is taking all of the sad things about their life and making them untrue. This is just a shadow right now, what we live. We're living for the eternity that is to come. And though our problems don't go away, we always know the solution. And the solution for us is in Christ. That's what Peter's proclaiming. That's what we proclaim together as believers. They're being plunged under waters of judgment. Waters of judgment that would claim anyone to their death 
but they're being brought back up alive in Christ. And then Peter, at the end of this passage, he puts the icing on the top of this amazingly beautiful cake of testimony. This Jesus, he is the one of whom all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everything that happens in the Old Testament, everything that took place, everything that's written down from Genesis all the way through to Malachi, all of it is pointing toward the Messiah, the one who will come, the servant who will, God will send, who will save his people from their sins. And that's what Jesus did. All of these prophets testify to this good news. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So, what does that mean for us? If you're not a believer, that means your life is not forfeit. It's not pointless. It's not hopeless. It's not helpless. There is hope, help, and life for you to be found in Christ. He wants to do that in you. And then something that I would like to say to all those who are being baptized, you are living evidence of this happening. Your life is a testimony of that reality that's going to encourage every believer in this place. It's going to encourage those who aren't believers yet because they're going to see you living out something that maybe they've never seen before. Hope. That reality. That transformative power of Christ alive and active in you being proclaimed for everyone to see. And for those of us who are believers, this baptism is a reminder. It's a reminder for us of what God's already done in our lives. It's a reminder for us and an encouragement that no matter what it is that we're going through, no matter what kind of situation that God has us in, no matter how difficult the path that we are on right now, it's a reminder that our lives have been made free by the Messiah. It's a, our lives have been given hope by Christ. It is in Jesus that we have life. Without him, all our meanderings, all our workings are like filthy rags. They are worth nothing. But he has made us valuable. He has made us worthy. And he's called us to him. So we go to him and we respond and we say, yes, God, we remember. We remember this truth, this hope that we need to rely on. And those who are being baptized, the next time they go to a baptism service, it's going to be the same for them. They're going to remember this moment. They're going to remember this moment of the testimony of God in their lives. And it's going to be an encouragement to them. It's going to bolster up their faith. Your life is not forfeit. And those of you who don't know Christ, I call you now. Turn to him. He has hope for you. 
He wants to help you. And you can have your life changed by the one who can turn our lives around and give us new life and hope. And this is the good news of the gospel. We have hope in Jesus Christ and it can be yours today. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. Thank you for the way that you are continuing to work in our lives. The way that you show us yourself. The way that you proclaim your excellencies to us. Only you are worthy of praise. Only you can give new life. Only you can make us right before the Father. And that's our desire. We want to to be righteous. We want to live before you. We want to be able to see you face to face and we look forward to that day. Lord, thank you for the hope in Christ. Thank you for the reality that you have called all people, not just Jews, but the nations to come to you, to have lives transformed by you, to be renewed. You give us hope, Jesus. And we look to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. She's staying with us.